Hey yo, it's the two Jew crew, robbing you, Seth. Run your mouth, express yourself, voicing our concerns and relieving your stress. And yeah, we do this shit for free, but you can pay in respect. Steady dropping knowledge and the issues are fresh. Yeah, the show is live, but we do it to death, most death. You know that no one does it better than us. But don't listen with your kids, cause we're likely to cuss. Weighing in on some dope topics. Lend an ear while we talk our shit. Cause you know we bound to be so profound. Make you think a little when we push it down. Let us do the talking, just relax and unwind. Laugh your ass off, baby, have a good time. Robin Youssef, yeah, we something sublime. Run your mouth, bitch, yo, we out of our minds. Break up, run your mouth. It's the end of the Summer Porch Tour. I'm declaring it a massive success. It got me out of the apartment a couple times. We met some interesting folks. So last week was a little bit different. It was a hostile takeover from Mr. Feldstein. Had been away for a couple weeks and he wanted to get right to it. So this week we're doing the opposite. I want to hop right into some of the news. We're going to grind it. And uh, so right off the bat, I'm going to do some jokes. I, I, got, I think I got some solid ones right, from this I'm past here. week. Are you ready for it? I hope, I hope uh, they're... T- t- I hope my reaction to them is to your liking. Nah, it's fine. If they're not, then the listeners can know that I bombed (laughs) (laughs) on my own podcast with my jokes. No, I think I got some good monologue ones. I I might be setting them up too much, but here's the first one. It has to be a little uh, less of a buildup. Right, make it a little more conversational. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Those are just some uh, some of my notes. Okay, well, thanks for giving them on air. (laughs) 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 Live commentary of what I'm doing wrong. You're giving like live commentary of what you're about to do. You're doing the like the you're doing like the play by play intro of, of what you're gonna happen. So yeah, I think bad. I think I'm allowed to do play by right. live uh, color commentary of your play by play. That's like being in bed. Like okay, I'm gonna take off my <laughs> pants now, and if you, <laughs> I am gonna put it right in there. All right, so yeah, uh, she's putting it right in there. <laughs> <laughs> so here was a New York Post article that HBO is killing off Cinemax racy programming. And the reason being, they ran the numbers and realized kids were jerking off to internet porn, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of that whole arena they just, just went to shit. They don't need because first, if you're actually going to sit down and watch that now, I feel like you'd be like, "Mom, there's no vaginas in this porn." <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like they're making love. I don't even know what this is. What is this, mom? <laughs> Does HBO own uh, Cinemax? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they kind of like joined Cinemax forces? used to be the gold standard. If you could yeah. find a friend who had Cinemax. Do you, did you ever like... Uh, yes. <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> what I'm yes. saying. Yes. Uh, no, I don't know, but yes. It had something have to do with Cinemax. Have you ever a TV that didn't have those channels but had like the kind of like scrambled D? Oh, yeah. Like oh, to if try you and turn catch to the tip? channel? Yeah, yeah of like, course. It was like the black... Oh, my gosh, yeah. We've all been there. It was the best. Back in the good old days. So that's that's a thing of the past now. Thing of the past. Okay, next article. Uh, marijuana ages brain by three years. That was a study. It was in the Daily Post. The marijuana ages the brain for three years. So if you start smoking weed sophomore year of high school, you could have the brain of a college kid. There we go. There you go. Nice does, little mathy joke. Does it age it? Every time you smoke it? Nah, that can't be. I mean, I didn't three really years read the, for every time. I didn't really read the whole article. Oh, you're just looking at the headline. I read the headline. No, I think they were saying that in a bad way, it ages your brain over time. Obviously, three years. Yeah. So I guess if you're 75, you're gonna have the brain of a 78 year old. Oh fuck! 
Thanks. You're welcome. I put that together for you, just in case anyone was confused. Uh, all right. And then here's the last one. Oh, no, I was just saying, like, that it just, that's meaningless. Yeah, and I don't even think that's true, because I keep hearing all these articles the other way, that some of these cannabinoids are actually good for Alzheimer's, specifically if you're older. So, I don't know. Who knows? Only if you do it when you're older. Yes. Not if you do it when you're younger, and then when you're older, you need to do even more of it. I think they mostly just don't know. Uh, uh, 100%. Now, with that being said, I don't think smoking weed every day is good for you. I don't think it helps people. Once a week? Once a month? I think anything balanced is okay. Exactly. Yeah, I don't I get don't, these people. I don't, know, I don't know from that. But I don't get these people who smoke weed all the time and get through their day jobs, well, or what we're oh, hearing yeah. from people in California or whatever. Like, oh, this is healthier for you. I don't buy any of that shit. You I just don't just buy it. BS. Yeah, I think it's like it, I. I think it's the same as I could. I choose not to, but for the most part, there's a level of drinking that I could do that. I could function and get through a day job, and at times I could even do my work better because I'd be a little more confident and have less of an edge. Mm-hmm. To a point, I couldn't be drinking six drinks a day, but I could probably have a cocktail at lunch, maybe another one at three, another one. Like, I think anybody could do there's that. There's a level at which I could do it that I could make an argument, hey, this is actually making my work better. But over time, I could tell you that that catches up. You're going to be a little sloppy. You're probably oh, going to yeah, step up your doing- alcoholism. I feel like pot's the same thing. It, it, like You might think it's helping you, but in the long term, if you can figure out how to just be sober and work your job, you're you're going to be more of a go-getter. You're going to accomplish more right. with your life and your time. There's no question about that to me. Yeah. All right. And then here was the next uh, quick take I got for you is uh, the uh, this was from the Pope. The Pope said parents of gay the Pope children. Or the, post? the Pope. Oh, the Pope. But they're in my head. They're both they're the, the same, same authority. Yeah. yeah. Same level of uh, influence and authority in my life. Okay. Parents of gay children shouldn't condemn them. Instead, send them to church. Hey-o. That way they can hang out with the priests who know exactly how to make your gay kids feel more comfortable. Very comfortable. <laughs> the priest will be there like, child, you've come to the right place. <laughs> I've been waiting for you. Oh, thank you. All right. Uh, so that's it for the news for this week. Next story that I wanted to get into is... That's I, it for the news? No, nah, nah, I got so much more news. But those those are my uh, quick monologue jokes. And now as I continue to give commentary <laughs> of what we're doing <laughs> as we go. That was that feature. <laughs> On to the next one. <laughs> hey, I'm killing it. You know what? Uh, I had to have a tooth pulled this week. Yeah. Have you ever had a tooth pulled? Uh, no. No? Well... I don't recommend it. Yeah, it doesn't sound fun. Do you get a lot of cavities? I got shitty teeth. I get a ton of them. I have shitty teeth, but I've you've never, never had, had a cavity your whole life. You've never been drilled into nothing. No. Wow. Don't, but don't jinx it. I'm not jinxing you, but I get a lot. Not I only do I get cavities, that. I'm thirty. I hate saying out loud like that. I've never broken a bone, like just weird i'm 30 and i'm down a tooth <laughs> that's how bad my teeth are <laughs> so anyways i as a kid once uh, i had i've had three teeth pulled before but they were baby teeth right and from what i remember the two that were pulled with novocaine kind of hurt but it wasn't that bad but i remember i had one pulled without novocaine it was by my orthodontist and he thought hey this is loose enough we can just get this oh, he out just did it like and it was not that loose. Oh, it was God. a. Re- I don't really oh, remember. That terrible. I don't remember the specifics of the pain, but I remember it was really, really oh, bad. Oh my God! I'm so really cringing. When I was going in 
to get this tooth pulled. Firstly, I've had plenty of experiences with having teeth drilled, and it's so. I mean, sometimes they get the Novocaine right. Sometimes you gotta stop them to put in more Novocaine. It's not fun. It's just not a pleasant experience. I don't like being at the dentist, and I had I, I in the back of my head, it's just kind of like I remember having a tooth pulled and how much pain it was. So, like I was pretty anxious about this. Anyways. The dentist reassures me. He goes, "Listen, I want to." Like, I, I didn't tell him, "Like, hey, doc, I'm kind of a pussy, and I don't like being hurt." I didn't. I didn't tell him any of this, but just before, <laughs> oh, you didn't give him the play-by-play of your thought process. No, I did like not. Doing I only tonight. do that for our listeners. <laughs> That's a special treat. So before, and he looks at me, very passionate, good salesman. Just goes, "Listen, I promise you, none of this is going to hurt. We'll give you an F- Novocaine. You're not going to feel a thing. This is going to be a painless procedure." And I'm like, I really respect what he just did. That made me feel a lot more comfortable about this. Even if I'm, he in, lied. I'm in good hands here. This is going to be fine. So he Novocaine's me up. You've never had that. Novocaine, it's, it's rotten because firstly, you feel it, and you also just see right in front of you this big-ass needle going into your gum, and you feel it when it's in there. It, it, it's, not the, it's not the worst thing, but it's not pleasant. Yeah. But it's manageable. Anyway, so he goes to, he goes to start pulling this tooth. I don't know that you're going to love this story, buddy. Not at all. I'm trying to, like, only listen to, like, 25% of what you're saying. No, no, no. This is where I it guess gets... that's, like, a improvement on... No. <laughs> on the news <laughs> stories. So he goes to pull this tooth. And basically, he's he, what he explains is you're not going to feel any pain. You're going to feel pressure. Because it's not so much that he pulls the tooth. It's more if you've ever tightened a bolt kind of oh, thing. Oh, God Where almighty. you kind of you you have to crank on it. It's like a clockwise motion <laughs> to get the thing out. <laughs> Okay, so here, I'm going to give you two possible versions of the story. Possibility A is that, and this is very much in the realm of possibility. I'm a, I'm a nervous guy. I'm nervous in doctor's offices. I once actually got sent to a specialist as a kid. They thought I'd like a high heart rate, and I went to see the specialist, and he's like, no, nah, you're just like nervous around doctors. Your heart's fine. Um, I fainted once before. Not that like I'm a frequent fainter, but I have once like fainted. What's your frequent fainter number? <laughs> No, I, oh, if you fainted three times in oh, your no, lifetime, you're a about, frequent I was, fainter. I was just making a joke on, like, frequent flyer miles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> frequent flyer number. I fainted <laughs> once in my life. Uh, so it's possible that situations making was making me nervous, and I fainted. That's possibility A. Right. But now here's the way I experienced what was going on. God, he like starts so uncomfortable. Oh, okay. You're yeah. just cringing. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, People listening to this, we're going to cover some serious news stories <laughs> in about five minutes. So feel free. <laughs> play by play. Feel free to just <laughs> skip this whole segment. <laughs> oh, God. Another five minutes of this shit? No, no. no. Okay. Well, I don't want to give more play by play. Really just ruining, you know. <laughs> okay. So I'm in this dentist chair yes. and he goes to start removing the tooth. And at first I think, hey, that's that's kind of uncomfortable. But then in my head, I'm like, all right, maybe that's just pressure. And then he goes again. And I'm like, oh, that's like really uncomfortable. And he goes to it again. I'm like, oh, that kind of like hurts. And then he goes again. And in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, that like hurts enough. I feel like I might black out from like pain. Like I feel like he's about to like trigger something there. And then he like, and he's still in there. And, and are you able to say anything? So I start kind of, but I, I'm kind of having that thing where it's like, okay, we got to get through this. It doesn't hurt that much. It's it's a weird kind of, it's like Level a weird up, yeah. pain, but this is not so painful that I need him to stop. I can manage. Let's try and get through this. But then I, I, I feel him kind of 
there's something going on in there where I feel like if it's if it just gets dialed up a little bit, it's going to be too much. And I can kind of internally process <laughs> something's going on here that's too much. So then finally I go to tell him, I, like I, I, I actually verbalize, hey, I think like I might be like about to like faint or something. And dude, I went out. Oh, I'm I fine. mean, I went out. Like, so you like felt that I felt, but I think I think what happened was like as I verbal, like kind of verbalized that. Now maybe I just fainted, or I think he went, he like he continued and just hit that fucking spot, and my body was just like just blacked yeah. out from the pain. It was just like no. And dude, I don't know. I once had a, I once got a really bad concussion that like I was out for a while and. If anyone's ever experienced this, it's the weirdest sensation in the entire world. But when you come back, it feels like your entire life was a dream. Like you're waking up from the dream that was your life. And it's hard to like process what's going on. In what the is reality? Like it takes like you a little bit to remember like, oh, right. I was at the dentist. Oh, shit. I just blacked out. And you just have this moment. I think they kind of sound an alarm and he's just like, <laughs> we're still here. We're still here. And, oh, my God. It is the trippiest thing ever. If you ever want to like really experience a good drug, just get knocked <laughs> out because of pain or have someone choke you out. And I promise you that space of life where you try and come back and just that 60 seconds right after just reorient, back. reorient what is and isn't real is uh, is a weird little space to, to be in. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Oh. Any any concussions in your life? Concussions? No. No. That thing was a nightmare. I don't so. want to like admit to not having any of these. Like, as oh, I said before. You think it makes you less cool? No, I think it makes me more oh, likely it's to an get one horror. soon. Yeah. Yeah, you're testing the universe. Uh, and not all of those. What? I and Huda. Yeah. Anyways, I, I wrote a little joke on this one, and uh, it bombed on the uh, on the part of the problem podcast. But it, it's been working on stage. So I'm gonna cut in the audio right here. I uh, I just got a tooth pulled earlier this week. I don't know if any of you guys have ever had that experience of getting like a tooth pulled. It it really bummed me out because I'm like I'm already losing my hair. Now I'm losing teeth. I almost feel like <laughs> I feel like my teeth looked at my hair and they're like, well, they're not gonna show up for work. <laughs> Like, what was going on? It's like, I'm- all right, and we're back. That was just personal props that it had bombed on so bad with Dave that I was uh-huh. like, oh, I gotta go try this. And it's, I, I don't know that it's gonna work forever, but there's something there. <laughs> all right, well, hopping back into the news, Louis C.K. made a surprise appearance at the Comedy Cellar. Did you hear about that? I did. Um, got a standing ovation. Standing ovation. <laughs> Apparently, people said he, he, he did well, he was funny, uh-huh. and what caught my eye in the news was like here was an article from the Huffington Post. It was Lucy K surprised the audience at a comedy club over the weekend with a 15-minute set, and two women in the crowd told New York Magazine's Vulture that they were uncomfortable with the ordeal. And so I'm reading that, and I'm like, are people's lives that good that it's newsworthy when they're uncomfortable? <laughs> because if we're really going to port on Let's people being uncomfortable, yeah, like, you can catch me when I'm outside and I'm deciding whether or not I actually like my apartment door for a second time. <laughs> or when I'm looking at a pretty girl, like, get CNN. Let's get CNN out there. I'm uncomfortable. So to me, I don't know. Do you kind of have the same take? Like, I have a, On that specifically, yeah, I guess so. Like, my takeaway... Um, there were, I, I saw some people like saying also like, how dare he make a surprise appearance? And because if they would have announced that he was going to be there, I wouldn't have come. It's like, 
Well, especially with like the comedy cellar, like the whole fun of there. Yeah, people like drop in, and like if they did announce, then like everyone would fucking show up. If like Chris Rock said, "Oh, I'm I'm dropping by the comedy cellar," then it wouldn't have that same appeal. Like if Jerry Sein, like when Jerry Seinfeld comes by, like the whole thing is like you're. You didn't know he was going to be there. Right. And then he, and like you're just at some random show and he comes in. Like, what are these fucking people? Who do these people think they are that, like, oh, I, they, sh- they should have announced this so I could have made the decision? I so should have known. Yeah, like, come on. All right. Seltzer. We're back to Seltzer? We're back to Seltzer. All right. Seltzer a- is big in the news. I'm reading stories left and right about Seltzer. It's take o- taking over. We were ahead of this game. I know. I feel like we should get some credit for this. We were way ahead of the Seltzer game. We're the Seltzer boys. We were drinking <laughs> Seltzer when it was just for old Jewish men. <laughs> and now it's the hot drink. Yeah, everyone's getting into it. I feel like they're kind of killing the whole idea of seltzer you feel like seltzer was only good because it was low-key and no one really yeah, liked it because exact not that no one liked it but like that it was just you know i don't know under the radar type drink i've loved seltzer ever since i kind of quit drinking soda because uh-huh. i switched over and i discovered hey man you give me that carbonation i'm good yeah and there's something that that's the icker the Iker, yeah. The the sugar was Tuffel. <laughs> People have no idea what that <laughs> Iker Tuffel is one of the greatest concepts ever. I'll, I'll explain it to the fans because I Go feel ahead. like they should get some of this knowledge because some, some of those Talmudic expressions just encompass so many ideas. Like the same way they say a picture is worth a thousand words. I, your smile talking about this is it's just <laughs> like, I love that because it like brings me back to, brings me back to like knowing you during your like, very Talmudic days, like where you were just like loving the like Talmud life. I'm just saying the right Yiddish word or oh, Talmudic yeah. expression is golden. <laughs> exactly. So Iker Tafel is basically beef and potatoes. That's really what it comes down to. Like if I, no, that's what it is. It's like if I go to some, but it's not somewhere. The, it's not the definition of the words. No, that's the point because it's a concept more than it is right, a okay. like. What it means is like if I go somewhere, what's the important factor? Okay. So, like, if I am having sex with a person, do they have a vagina? You know what I mean? It's like the tits are tuffel to the vagina, which is the icker. Because you could put tits on a dude, but, like, and don't yeah. don't get focused on that. Like, yeah, you could claim it's a lady. She might view herself as a lady, but that's tuffel to the icker, which is, to me, whether or not they have a working vagina. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. If you ever take a Talmudic class and yeah, you want to know what Iker Tuffel is, I just prepped you. But the, the the simpler way to see it is like beef and potatoes. If I order, if I go to a restaurant and I order myself like a steak, who gives a shit about the potatoes on the side? It's about the potato. It's about that yeah, steak. It's if it was more- the greatest potatoes in the entire world, but the steak stinks, you wouldn't say that was a good dish, right? Iker Tuffel. Your the side dish kind of enhances the main. But it's not gonna be like the main the 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 real takeaway. Yeah, I hear that. All right. Now I was reading another article about a seltzer enthusiast, specifically discussing how do you pronounce these? Lacroix, Lacroix, Lacroix. No, Lacroix. Lacroix. 
Why? You why think is it, it would be this like specialty item if it was called La Crocs? <laughs> 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 Come on now. Uh, that's a fair point. But why have well, a silent X? What is like, there's something very fancy about a silent very X. very sexy about a silent X. Can you think of other products with a silent X? Ooh, well, probably a lot of French words. Is, it, is, is LaCroix French? I think so. All right. I could be totally off, but I, th- I think that it's, uh, that's, that's the, what they're going for. So I'm reading this article. It's on a website called pitchbook.com. I'm sorry, but they don't have the article numbers for you guys. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, it's basically a financial website. They kind of do some, I guess, interesting breakdowns from more financial standpoints. Uh, pitchbook.com. Pitchbook. Okay. I came across this specifically because of the Seltzer article. And this person, massive Seltzer enthusiast, but I was very disappointed with their analysis. I'm going to read it for you here. I got a Costco membership last week, and no way do I need a Costco membership. I live in a 550 square feet and have absolutely no reason to buy frozen chicken and paper towels in bulk. So why spend $60 in annual membership to warehouse a store? I get all that. I'm on board. Why did they do it? Because of LaCrocs. That's specifically why they have their Costco membership. I love LaCroix. I love its carbonation. I love the flavors. I love the feeling of inner peace that comes with the first sip of an ice-cold, passionate LaCroix of a hot summer day. All right. I'm digging their passion for seltzer. I got it. I'm, I, oh, I'm liking it. But they're spending enough on So here comes seltzer. the math. Okay. Here comes the math. In fact, I love it so much that the $0.09 cents per can I save by shopping oh. at Costco makes the $6 membership worth it. The math checks out. Let's say I drink an average of three cans per day. It was two until I added the refreshing and now dispensable 8, 8 a.m. LaCroix uh, to my daily routine. That's 1,095 cans a year. Factor in the cost of membership and the $0.09 cents per can discount, and I'm saving about $40 per year. Maybe one day Costco will start handing out free samples of LaCroix, and I'll really have it made. Now, what upset me about that is seeing someone do the math on their beverages, because that might be my single biggest expense, and I just ignore it. I was ignore. about to say that, that you buy... You I'm buy all beverages all the time at like the highest markup possible. But to me, you know what it is? To me, going to a bodega and grabbing my seltzer can, it's like when people have a cigarette. It's that I'm task oriented. So that's fine. It's a simple task. I get to have my mom- my moment with the bodega guy, uh-huh. and also so you're paying a premium. for I'm that. paying a premium for the experience. That's fine. He's paying the premium of a Costco membership to be able to have. Just an endless amount of LaCroix. In his fridge. Yeah. I also... I the, think it's just two it's, different, it's two different styles. Not even styles. It's just... You prefer the... Oh, boy. Um, in Bodega experience. He enjoys the... Having... Just... The stream of seltzer cans... At the, at the ready at any time. You know what? I, I, I'm like thinking through my head while you were talking... Because I don't listen. Uh, we all know that. No. Yeah. No, we're, we're... I was absorbing what you were saying. That's like 101. But I was thinking, if I owned... If I lived in the suburbs, and I owned my own house that I could stock in the way that... It wasn't like this roommate situation where I basically just mm-hmm. have my room. Uh, would I stock up on seltzer? Would I have like a seltzer fridge? Which I probably would. would however, you? However, I'm, I'm realizing how bodega addicted I am. Because even when I'm in Connecticut... I still leave my parents' house to go to bodegas for like random coffees or uh-huh. energy drinks. You still and need that. You still like that experience. I like getting out of the house. Yeah, it's all about it, you break it up a little bit. 
and so you, and you could replace it with anything else, really. Well, I don't know where else he can go at two in the morning for five minutes. And no, no, like, no. What I'm saying is like it doesn't have to be necessarily your seltzer. You could yeah, I can start ha- you smoking. Could ha- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, I'm saying you could have your your inventory of seltzer. And then just go to the bodega for, for a scratch-off ticket. Scratch-off yeah. tickets. That could be a good one. I'm just saying. like, uh, I don't really play a lot of scratch-off. Everyone's you're better off. But I should get into the scratch-off <laughs> lifestyle. I should, get, I should go deeper into bodega land. You know? Because right now I'm just like a seltzer, surface. an energy drink. Sometimes. Chips? I'm not they're a chips in, guy. I'm oh, not, you're I'm not, not a chips guy. I'm but more of the fresh pastry bodegas guy. Bodegas like are like chip central. Yeah. I like they the They always have that like, you know, like dollar two dollar bag just like of you know it could be anything just out there that's what those are the types of things like where you know you're like perusing it's like oh what what specialty chips or snack kind of bag does this bodega that's my bodega oh style. that's your bodega style is what kind of chips are they offering what yeah like that's what interesting thing that you like it's like traveling everywhere else right it's like traveling to france and they have the baguettes <laughs> yeah it's like what is this bodega specializing exactly. what what chips are they bringing to the table or like uh candy something like that like more of the snack game as opposed to um you know picking out your f- single seltzer or whatever you know i had a calming moment last night late at night very late at night i think it was 2 30 in the morning i ate a yodel for the first time in years yodels are fucking delicious not only are yodels delicious but it gave me a very relaxing thought in the back of my head that i could get significantly poorer and still enjoy cake like <laughs> yodels like are, you don't need to be it's not a rich yodels will never not be affordable like I'm living this fancy ritzy, go to a nice uh, bakery for a, you know a high end cookie experience right now. But if you cut my income in half, it's not like I'm priced out of the cake market. <laughs> Yodels will always be there for you. Yodels will always Yodels be are available. great. Like the, that's just timeless. I want to say of uh, well, I used to be. I haven't had them since the relaunch. Did it like bring you back to a time? Like, did you oh, take that bite and when, like, oh, when Yodels were a part of my life, or like just like. Did it make you feel younger? I don't know. Like, where, like, if you haven't had one in 10 years, it's like, oh, I remember that taste. I had that moment with um, a Lender's Bagel. Ooh. Lender's Bagels. Lender's are so a, bad, but it's so good. So terrible. But, but like, so good. It's such, like, a unique type of. It's like, staleness to it. Not even staleness. It's like. It's its own, it's own bagel flavor. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like I went to the store and like this is a couple months back. You have to back. have that toasted though. You oh, can't my. eat Lenders not oh, toasted. Excuse me, sir. With cream cheese? Did you excuse go Philadelphia me, cream cheese? This is how I ha- I will tell you about my Lenders bagelness and how I enjoy them. <laughs> All right, I'm but glad I saw we finally them. brought you out of the dentist. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, now you're rejuvenated. I, I don't this even This thing remember was stale that. and now I don't you're going. I remember that shit. Um I, no, I, I saw, like, I don't know, in the freezer section in the grocery store one time, like, I'm like, oh, Lenders Bagels, I remember those fuckers. I'll b- buy a pack. So I b- b- bought it, and, like, it was lit. The way that I had them as a kid was microwave for, like, 30 to 40 Ooh, seconds. microwave. It makes it, it was, like, uh, super soft, chewy, with, with butter on it. Boo. I could put a fucking Lenders Bagel in the, fr- in the toaster also. Yes. Fine. You, what you're saying it's taste, actually better because the microwave than a toaster even oven. Not better th- as a microwave. The le- the like pres- rich in preservatives <laughs> bagelness 
that like is the let you take it right out of the freezer and you put it right into the microwave and it comes out like wait you freeze it. Lenders bagels? Are you kidding me? That's a frozen bagel. No, you don't buy them frozen. They, oh, they come yes, in the, you do. They come in the bags. They're not frozen. Maybe we're we're you're eating the wrong Lenders bagels, yeah, or, or you are. No, possibly. you get a fresh Lenders bagel, which isn't fresh. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but like Lenders bagels only exist no, they in the frozen. No. Then then they changed them. Then they're still selling the Lenders I was eating from ten years ago. Then, They've just then, been then freezing exactly them. Exactly the same. Um, but like that. Oh my god, that tastes just like. It was like I felt like that's I some was cheap a, Jewy shit that our I parents were I was freezing. Like a, Lenders bagels, they come in bags. Listen to me, we could go to any grocery store right now. I'll take that bet. I'm, okay, I'll take that action. All right, what do you me, want to put on it? I don't know, a fucking bag of Lenders bagels. <laughs> no, no, let's put some cash down on this. We're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the Stop and Shop. That's the legit market. I would agree. It's within a ten minute drive. I feel like we can both agree that if Stop that and Shop that's a standard, that that is standard. Uh, what do you want yeah. to put on it? I, how about 10 this? Bucks? No, I'll put. I, I'll, I'm willing to put something better on the line. Oh boy, shit! Now nah, ten bucks is good. No, no, no tell me, tell me what no, you're no, gonna no. put. No, I want to no. hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> Can we agree on ten bucks and then I'll tell you? Oh yeah, we'll agree on ten bucks and now tell me. what. I still don't want to tell you. <laughs> You'll tell me off the air. No, I'll tell you. I was gonna yeah. say that if I lose, I'll travel to you next week for the podcast. Oh, you didn't want to put that up. But on I the did line. not want to put that up on the line because it's ten really fine. It's really not pleasant. All right, ten. That's a great bet. Go to betdsi.com. We'll get <laughs> odds up on it. You can play at home. Now, I really want to get into some news. This I found very interesting this week. There's a battle for the internet going on before our very eyes. Uh huh. Uh, and so I want to read some very interesting articles that came across this week. They were from all different news sources, very different angles, but I think it just showcases the fact that government's trying to get its hands on the internet. Um, So the first one is tech giants target Iran. So YouTube erases videos linked to propaganda effort. Twitter, Facebook also delete accounts. Now, what's interesting about this to me is I said a while ago that when they brought uh, Zucker into Congress, remember that? They, they brought him onto like the center floor Zuckerberg, they had. Yeah. yeah, Zuckerberg. Thank you. <laughs> that was close enough. <laughs> Shout out, Dovey. <laughs> when they brought him onto the floor, I said they were basically telling him, hey, listen, you're going to play ball with us or we're going to fuck up your business. Uh-huh. That was the message they were sending him. And now we're seeing that the tech giants, they're working for government here. When they're going after Iran, that has nothing to do with their business model. Someone in government said, hey, listen, we need a little support from you guys. Or they just said, hey, how can we help out government here? And the three of them are all doing it together. By the way, this comes off the heels of uh, Davy Smith made me aware of this. I wasn't aware of this, but that when what's his name was deplatformed when uh, when they deplatformed Alex Jones. It was weird that all three companies did it at the same time. It was like a coordinated effort. It wasn't just what like... What was it? It was a Google, Twitter, and Facebook? I don't know the Google, but it was, I, I think it was YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. And YouTube well, Google is Google. Is, yeah. yeah. That's what but I said. Co- coordination between the three largest tech companies. Now you see it also in terms of doing following the U.S. agenda out in Iran. Here, let me just read the entire um, first two paragraphs from this article. America's biggest tech companies are zeroing in on Iran, scrubbing their online network of fake accounts. Videos and social media posts by the rising cyber adversary aimed at spreading misinformation. Alphabet Inc.'s Google on Thursday said it terminated dozens of YouTube channels found to be pushing misinformation on behalf of Iran's state broadcasting arm. The 
announcement marked the latest in a flurry this week from major online businesses detailing efforts to curtail foreign abuse on their networks, many involving um, Tehran. Is it pronounced Tehran? Tehran, yeah. Tehran? Okay. Another silent H. You know, these other people are really confusing me. All right. Here was the next one. X in there, so. This was a separate article. Wall Street Journal, Facebook polls 652 fake accounts engaged in coordinated influence campaign. So those originated in Iran, a total of 652 pages and accounts were flagged for coordinated, inauthentic behavior, in quotes, and targeted internet services in the U.S., Middle East, U.K., and Latin America. The activity appears to reflect increasing attempts by the Iranian regime to push its geopolitical agenda through online subterfuge. All right, next article. You ready? Yep. CNN, Google won't send its CEO to testify so senators may hold a hearing with an empty chair. First paragraph, executives from three major tech companies are due to appear before Congress next Wednesday to talk about their role in protecting the integrity of November's midterm elections. Government's trying to pin them to something. They're trying to be like, hey, we got to make sure that whatever we're looking for, you guys are on board with. But senators are threatening to put an empty chair in Google's place. The potential move is a sign of lawmakers increasing dissatisfaction with the company. Okay, one more. President accuses Google of bias. Trump condemns Google. Um, Alleged slant in search engine results draws fire and threat of White House action. Washington, President Trump accused Google of elevating critical news stories about his presidency at the expense of friendly conservative voices, signaling potential government action if it didn't change its alleged practices. Basically, I'll read one more paragraph. Mr. Trump complained Tuesday on Twitter that Google search results for the words Trump news returned results primarily for what he labeled left-wing media. Google and others are suppressing voices of conservatives and hiding information and news that is good. He wrote, that way such sites present results, he wrote, is a very serious situation will be addressed. That was the most ridiculous fucking thing ever. But this is all in the same camp. This is all the same thing where Uh it's like the internet has become. It's like the ring, you know, like Lord of the Rings. Oh, you probably never saw this because you don't like good movies. I forgot about that. But it's this all powerful source. They realize, hey, there is free and available information online. People can go find what they're looking for. Uh They can determine truth for themselves. Like even, like even if there's misinformation coming from Russia or misinformation coming from Iran. I think maybe, so firstly, there's something funny about government being like, if it isn't, because nothing here, by the way, really use the words fake information. Like, even if you look at the Russia collusion, it was all true information that came from, like, what did Russia do? It made our government more transparent, and our government is like, well, that that ruins everything. Wait a second, so if your government is, if you guys are too transparent, that's a negative like that's crazy. In other words, none of it. It's wrong. Now, even if it is false information, let's just say it is false information. It is totally not true information. So now, I, like we have to evaluate. The, well, what are the dangers of totally not true information? Like, if there's no truth even to the themes, do things catch hold? Now, that's a general. That that is a scary concept. I know I'm talking fast here. Yeah. That's a scary concept because I would think a lot of like what I hear of things like microaggressions and white privilege and uh, we did a we did a whole episode a while back about the um, microaggressions. <laughs> but like some of those things are taking hold. Socialism has taken hold in a big way in some countries. So if it, like, in other words, I, I, I guess you can have propaganda that convinces people of things that are wrong. I agree with you on that. I don't think it's like they're like that. I guess the free market of ideas can necessarily have people. Oh, and now I'm kind of trapping myself into a mental corner here because in other words, like if all information is free and available, like are the best ideas going to rise to the top? 
Like, imagine if all ideas were just free and available. Are the rest, are the best ideas going to rise to the top, or are people really stupid and they're going to just buy into fake horseshit? And so that's that's hard to evaluate because I can't answer that right now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I hadn't thought of that before this moment, mm. but I guess. To me, the more dangerous thing here is that government is desperately before our eyes. We're seeing this happen. We saw that net neutrality went away, and now it seems like they're doing whatever they can to re- to basically exert their influence on the biggest people in the internet to make sure that what they're doing is in line with government's agenda, and that's really scary. Yeah, 100%. Like I feel like what uh, kind of Trump was saying, like he was basically saying like, Oh, you're rigging the system. It's not just an algorithm kind of pumping out search results, which it is. Like, you're rigging this, you know, against me, so I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to rig it the other way. Like, it's just the whole thing is. Well, the rigging it, like, I, I believe there could be some truth to the fact that. Like Google's not just a perfect search engine. Like I think, hey, but here's the thing: we all know how to use the internet, and if you're looking for the more conservative bent, you can find that. Yeah. But now, so let's just say that's accurate. If you just Google in Trump news, that you get. So, firstly, is I think some of the largest news platforms that Google is just kind of grabbing information from probably leans towards anti-Trump, and there's also just a lot to report if you're taking an anti-Trump stance. Like the what? Like what has Trump done yesterday that you can really open up an article and go holy shit trump's amazing you know what i mean like and by the way to speak to that not that i agreed with it but like when he went and he bombed syria and people were into that there was plenty of like if he goes out and does things that are super positive you're not going to not find that information it's not gonna it's not like it's scrubbed but now let's just imagine that fine so if you say just i'm looking trump that Google itself is going to report to me more negative. Like it, it, it does in fact have a left-leaning slant. Let's just say that that's true. Now, by uh-huh. the way, if it were to have a left-leaning slant, that's probably because whoever they're teamed up with that's pushing their agenda within government is probably more on the left. In other words, like I don't think, I don't think, I think Google is like looking out for itself. I think if like Trump was just pushing Google, you know what I mean? Like on the inside, he was pushing ways for Google to make more money, I bet then maybe they would distort the algorithms so that we would all be pro-Trump. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're just like, I, like I, don't, I don't think, I think they're a business and I'm sure if they are skewing the news, it's in line with their own interest. So now you might go, hey, it's scary that there's this one thing that's so powerful that it's really able to kind of present like misinformation to us. But Wait, so the better idea is that someone like Trump or someone in government can then, like, I and I bet they someone had that relationship with, like, well, we know that they can revoke press passes and that kind of stuff, like, when it came to, like, CNN and having access. Mm-hmm. So this is the new way of getting information, is you go to the internet and you get information. Now, you can find a lot of information online. You can find pro-Trump stuff. You can find libertarian news. You can find pro-war news. You can find anti-war news. A lot of it is about what you go to Google looking for. We need to make sure that it's all just still there and available. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to evaluate, like, what's the bigger threat? A company like Google that can manipulate the way they think because of the search results that they feed to us? If they're or- actually doing that? I, I'm sure. Well, here I, we know that to a point they do because the more money you spend with them, the higher up you can be in their search results. So, oh. like, and then you're, you're, 
my perception of like a company like Seamless is the biggest thing ever versus some other competitor is somewhat based on the fact that I think Seamless p- pays money to be on like the top search results. You know what I mean? So in that, this area where they're kind of control. Okay, yeah. So that exists. The perception of how big a business is, but you can see what which ones are, you know, paying an ad versus. No, I think even in that the non page sponsored pay the non sponsored. Space it's still, I think being in the, yeah, I could be wrong on that. I could be a hundred percent wrong on that. All right, I want to move on to Toys R Us. Uh, you know that they went out, right? A while ago, yeah. So when Toys R Us went out, and I, I like, I just saw Toys R Us went out in the back of I, I didn't, I hadn't done my research yet, and I was just like, I know in some way Wall Street did that, and I'm willing to bet it was Bain Capital. Just, just kind of shoot balling out of my head because I know, like, I've been inside Toys R Us's. They're always pretty busy. They're cross country. They're a big store. They seem to have been making money. It was weird to me that someone who had such what it seemed like such a strong part of what's a like like a market mm-hmm. just kind of evaporated. Like, I get that Amazon and Walmart exist, but there isn't really any national toy. They, they didn't really. I mean, yeah, they compete with I guess your local no, toy they store. Compete with Amazon they compete with and your Walmart. Walmart. They compete with your Amazon, but. It seemed to me like Toys R Us was a bit of an institution. It was weird to me that it just went down. Listen, like <clears throat> I know, like Toys R Us were they had like full retail prices on everything. So like you're saying Toys you R Us go would, there, and yeah, it could be because it's for the experience. But then like <clears throat> you could be as, as you said, like it could be busy. But then like literally, you take out your phone. Type in the same fucking product. And you can find it for less on Amazon. And you can have it, you know... Delivered. You, you know, don't even need to While you're in the car. store. Yeah, that's so shitty. For like... I feel like stores need to create, like, cell blockades. phone... Blockades. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't... I, that doesn't bother me. Yeah. No, I've done the Barnes & Noble countless times. I've... Where, um... Yeah. Where, like, you know, like, I... Even you could even scan the fucking book that you're holding, right? Then see that it's like fifteen dollars cheaper on Amazon, and order it within seconds. And like, yeah, oh, I don't, I don't even need to stand on this line. Yeah, that's I could shitty. just walk out of this place. Stores should some, figure out how to block Amazon <laughs> when you're in their store. I don't think that's not fair. What, you're like in the. You fi- have to do some work. Like you have to actually go home. Yeah, and then remember no, it yeah. or write it down. Or, yeah. If you're coming into a physical store, part of the value is the fact, like, you're, in other words, you're going to Barnes & Noble. I have done this also. You go to Barnes & Noble to see what exists. You have fun walking in the physical store. Uh-huh. Like, you take all the value that they can provide, and then, you like, and there's nothing illegal about doing that, but that's why the stores themselves should, like, f- figure out how to, like, control for the value that they have. Because the value that they have is that they're the physical store, and you can actually hold and look at the product. So how do they prevent the fact that someone could do that, which is all free, it's almost like eating at a restaurant and not paying the bill. Now, not quite because you haven't no. purchased the product, but I'm saying a big part of the tangible value is that they rent a physical place so that you can actually show up, stand in a physical place, and hold a physical object. And then they curate it in certain ways that you can find what you're interested in. No, so you kind of you absorb all the value and you pay no- nothing to them for what they're offering in values. So they got to figure out well, a way to you know, almost uh, charge you to walk into the store. On, on the flip side of this, they, let's take Best Buy as an example. Best Buy was always referred to as Amazon showroom because people were doing just that. Oh, really? Going, you know, like going to Best Buy, you know, 
pricing out, not even pricing out, like seeing all the different models and then just being like, okay, I could buy this TV for $250 cheaper on Amazon. Best Buy realized that that was a problem and they kind of made everything in price in line with Amazon. Some, not necessarily, but they turned, they kind of pivoted in a way where like they added the geek squad and all that other shit, like to like, there's actual value Customer of service. our yeah exactly like of being in the store and being um, serviced by like our in you know like these guys are gonna tell are gonna give you like the information that I that's valuable as opposed to you doing your own thing and you know just going off. I and, experienced that firsthand. There's a bike store around the corner, and I've gone in there twice for random things, and the dudes just helped me out, didn't charge me. I want to buy a bike from those guys. Right. The next time I buy a bike, I just know, hey, they're around the corner and they're actually super cool and they're not like just looking to grab a... I will buy my next bike from there, even if it's more expensive. And so I definitely... I understand that no, sale. No, but the, the, they... You know what Amazon... Felt the pressure for... Also, what they started doing in that kind of... When they were, you know, being threatened by Amazon, they were taking... You know, like, if you print out what... Amazon is charging, they would like match the price. I guess they were able to like either take a little loss or whatever it was just to keep the brand in business, keep keep what was going on and the company like they're still best buys. You know what Amazon's going the way of Toys R Us. You know what Amazon's doing really well? Everything. No, they do it but this this really this really gets my dick I, wet. I, I, <laughs> I I've had so many erections and 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 orgasms from Amazon. So I can't even tell this you. This is my here. this is my favorite feature of Amazon right now. Okay, is that I'm a little bit OCD about finding the best product, the best price, to the point where just making a quicker execution. Like when I go to, a, I get overwhelmed. Three seconds ago, you just said, "I I would I'm gonna go to this bike shop and and even pay more." Oh no, because I know the value of being able to maintain your bike, okay. and so I and being able to make adjustments. Uh, I feel like a prick. I've never spent any money there, and they're like super cool and nice. So mm-hmm. I just see, hey, this is worthwhile. Uh, and bikes, they, they, there's just maintenance on a bike. Amazon, what I'm loving. If I go to like a grocery store, I'm I, I exhaust myself trying to find the perfect apple. That's mm-hmm. something like right away. I, I you know I spend too much time and then that's it. I'm like done making decisions for a month. Like yeah. I wasted too much brain power finding the perfect apple. What I'm liking about Amazon is if you're looking for an item now, they just have their top pick, and they basically just recommend something in a category. And I'm you can do an hour of research. They've done it. They know. They kind of like know your habits. But how do you know that that's that's truly? Because I never trust the top. I, I neither do I, and then I usually find I'm circling back. Yeah, you're to going it. back, okay. And so now I'm starting to now maybe in a year from now I'll stop trusting their top pick because I'll be like, all right, you got me. But I'm finding more often than not that top pick is it's top, top pick for a reason. <laughs> I bet they dictate to the company where they're like, a, you're going to give us this percentage, and b, you have to price it. And like, I bet they really Fairly. bully them oh, yeah, for sure. to go. It's going to be this way, and then we'll make you top pick. Okay, so anyways, circling back to Toys R Us, Bain Capital. So firstly, I'll acknowledge that hating on the high finance people is fun 
for two reasons. Firstly, it's fun. Secondly, <laughs> you get to be like, hey, listen, the reason why those people are making all that money is because they're evil. It's not because they're smarter than me, got right. into Princeton, worked hard, and got these good jobs that I can never get. And believe me, if I could have gone into Goldman, I would go work there and make money. It's not any of that. It's that. <laughs> no, of course not. It's that I am more moral than they are, and they are doing these <laughs> shitty things. <laughs> so I acknowledge that that pers- like that that angle is just funner to take, and then to speak to Bain's credit before we kind of dip into trash them. This is from Forbes. It's easy to admire. Bain Capital is one of the most sophisticated investment firms, and its venture arm has helped many startup companies grow and become stars in the retail and tech- technology firmament. Companies like LinkedIn, Rent the Runway, Blue Nile, Bob's Furniture, Burlington Co. Factory, and Michaels are just some of the well-recognized retailers who have benefited from Bain's funding. Um, funding and advice. And then also, you know, you got a bunch of angry employees. They're outside of, um, I think they're outside of Bain actually protesting. And so for those people who spent a lifetime working at Toys R Us, I just recommend don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what skills did you really work or walk away with? Like an expertise that if a kid's looking for a toy, you know how to creep them out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like that's what you walked away from so like here this was uh 30 this was from the nation uh toys r us workers take private equity barons ashamed 30 years of giving my life for this company and you guys are taking everything away from every one of us you guys ought to be ashamed of yourselves and uh, shame shame <laughs> and i'm wondering like did they really have those sales moments like where they were selling the staff like you're part of the toys r us family Let's and you <laughs> and we're gonna put smiles on kids faces and you like i work at a, at a startup and everybody including myself is being sold on the fact of like listen it's a startup we know that you can make more money doing other things but this is a cool job and if you stay with us you're gonna have a really really cool job and it's gonna pay you well that is not what Toys R Us is. Like, if, you, if you're a career Toys R Us worker, so now you're qualified to go have the same job at a Dollar General. You're qualified to go to any other retail store and work. Like, if you put a lifetime into work of Toys R Us thinking, well, it's a secure job that I can continue coming back here and working. Like, this is where I actually find that, I, I guess, being an angry son of a bitch is kind of helpful. Because I once had a job restocked. stronger. I once had a job restocking vending machines, and every day of that job, I just had this feeling inside of I shouldn't be doing this. Now, at sometimes you enjoyed I enjoyed it. It's at sometimes I and I also thought like, well, and I, I debate this in my head a little bit. At sometimes I thought, well, basically you, you failed out of college, you're not getting a finance job. So like, what, what do you? Why do you think that you're better than this job? Like you had a chance in school. You're not in debt from school. You could have done well in school. You had chances to work at some of those companies. You, you, you didn't do any of that. Why, <laughs> what exactly do you think you can go do? Like, why do you think you're better than this job? What, do you, like, what, what have you done that makes you think you should have a different job? There's a reason why people have those jobs and you don't. You didn't do anything for them. This is the job that you're supposed to have. But then there was another part of me who was like, fuck this. I'm not going to be a guy. And then, and then it, just take it a step further, and, and maybe this is to a negative, is that I think you got to specialize in life, and I'm still highly interested. The career that I'd like to have is as a stand-up comedian, and I'm not doing enough work on that. I'm just not. I'm getting too bogged down in the last... Now it's like a lifestyle. For the last two and a half years, I've gotten too bogged down in day jobs, and that's partly because I can't go work as a waiter. I'm just too angry for that. Like, it's just not... So, you know, I can't... I don't know how you wrap your head around ego 
and like <laughs> whether or not you're winning or losing in these things. But I do think there's something to be said for if you're got that shitty job like a Toys R Us or whatever it is of have some fucking pride and just be like, fuck this. I'm not fucking just going to like this is going to be my life. I'm just going to restock shells forever. Right. Like. I think that's the difference between you and like. Don't accept just shit. <laughs> just don't accept things. Like, just don't. I don't know if you're listening to this and you got some shit job. I, I listen. I, not that I'm living some some fancy life or things are working out, but just be, don't don't be content with things. Just don't be like, hey, this is this is my lot in life. I'm just gonna run with this. You know, some good musa. Even if it goes nowhere, just take some steps towards other things. I promise you'll get some like skills or something, or maybe you'll just end up drinking more because you put more <laughs> effort and failed. I don't know, but I'm just saying. Like, who are these people who thought they had job security in Toys R Us? Okay, so now we painted the picture for you know Bane being these smart people just trying to do things. But I, I'm I'm here to tell you the real inside story. Are you ready for the real inside story, Mr. Always. Feldstein? Okay, so. Years ago, I was reading David Stockman's book, The Great Deformation, and he has a chapter about Bain Capital where he was basically trashing leveraged, um, like uh, the, the leveraged buyouts. buyouts yeah, yeah le- leveraged buyouts, and he was specifically tra- um, trashing Bain. And so first, just explain what leveraged buyouts are because it is the scam of all scams. Here's the way a leveraged buyout works. Basically, for some reason, company needs a shit ton of money. Whatever happens, maybe they're going to go bankrupt. They're trying to buy back stock. I don't quite understand what happened in Toys R Us's situation, but a company is a shit ton of money. So what happens is you're a venture capital firm and you have access to debt. You have access to huge amounts of money because you got a track record or you have enough like of your own money that you're able to get access to a lot of debt. So like a mortgage on a house, you put down 20%. Somebody else gives you 80%. So like, let's say a company, let's just keep the math simple. Let's say a company is worth $1 million. So you, as a leveraged buyout, you put down $200,000. Someone comes in with $800,000, and now you now own that company. So now here's where the scam comes in. So when you're paying back that $800,000, you're not responsible for it. If you're the venture capital firm that did the leveraged buyout, you're not responsible for it. The company's responsible for it. So now you own the company. You only had to put up the $200,000, and the company's responsible for all that debt that you were able to basically take to own them. So you now own them, but the debt is still on the company. Right. So like, theoretically, they're in a worse situation. Now the argument is, well, hey, we've got expertise here. We're going to help you out. So this is where you got to read Stockman's book. I'm going to read you um, two paragraphs from in a minute, but he's explaining some of the shit that Bain did with the companies that they took over. And basically, like sometimes they would take out the max amount of debt that they could at the company on the equipment that they already owned. Like so, in other words, if they had like they would take out loans on the equipment, then they would fire everybody on the staff to try and like up the actual profits. Like the whole game is to try and make it seem like the company's profitable, so then you could take it back public and cash in on it. Right. But basically. You don't really care about the company. You're not invested in the success of the company. You're just you swallow putting f- lipstick on. You swallow fees, and you don't even if you're not making improvements. You can swallow fees. All that debt, it's got to go to the fucking company. All the sometimes the assets of the company are worth more than the debt that you fucking threw on it. You just liquidate that shit. They, you fucking own them. And so when I was hearing, and by the way, I'm giving kind of my, I, I read the book years ago. The whole book is great, but that specific chapter is amazing. And when I was reading that chapter of what Bain Capital did to a lot of what it claimed to be its success stories, where it had its biggest profits, have you ever seen Goodfellas? Please tell me you've seen Goodfellas. 
I've seen one clip of Goodfellas. What clip did you see? The one you sent me. Oh, you watched this clip? That's hilarious. Um, I've never seen Goodfellas. How have you never seen Goodfellas? What about Casino? Have you seen Goodfellas? Yeah, I've seen Casino. Now the guy's got Paulie's apartment. Any problems, he goes to Paulie. Trouble with the bill, he can go to Paulie. Trouble with the cops, deliveries, Tommy, he can call Paulie. And now the guy's got to come up with Paulie's money every week, no matter what. Business bad? Fuck you, pay me. Oh, you had a fire? Fuck you, pay me. The place got hit by lightning, huh? Fuck you, pay me. Also, Paulie can do anything, especially run up bills on the joint's credit. And why not? Nobody's gonna pay for it anyway. And as soon as the deliveries are made in the front door, you move the stuff out the back and sell it at a discount. You take a $200 case of booze and you sell it for $100. It doesn't matter. It's all profit. And then finally, and there's nothing left. Fucking shit. And you can't borrow another buck from the bank or buy another case of booze. You bust the joint out. You light a match. And they lit it up for the insurance money. I don't know if he actually maybe cut out early, but that was the whole scam. It's basically they bled the place dry. And so to me, that is exactly what kind of was going on with Toys R Us. And so firstly, what allows all of this to happen, and this is like Stockman's big point in his book, and I think it's important for people to know, but he says it's the entire environment of easy credit for these financial companies that they're able to do things like leverage buyouts. Like that's basically their access to credit is what allows them to do things like this. And what you have is it's bad capitalism because as opposed to having these discount in, rates or having these institutions like Toys R Us, which actually are making money, I'm gonna read you some examples, we're profitable institutions, we're employing people, we're adding a service to the economy, you get these fucking venture capitalists that come in and just suck these institutions dry because they have some weird other way of making money. And so there's something really bankrupt and corrupt in the world where think people that are not actually creating value like the entire idea of finance is like, hey, we're going to be matchmakers. I I have good access to money, and yeah. I think you're a good investment. Or there's nothing I think, tangible. I think these prices are, you know, these pricing is wrong, and so I'm going to basically capture the spread in these pricing and make pricing more efficient. There's all these things that they theoretically could be doing, but with the easy access to credit and what he calls crony capitalism, they end up putting resources into things like this, where they suck out legitimate businesses dry. So here, by the way, I. I just uh, I, I was going to read the three paragraphs, but I'm boring the fuck out of Yosef, so I'm not going to. Um, it's at page 560 of The Great Deformation, and I recommend reading the entire um, chapter. But anyway, so here. Just that Toys chapter, R Us. not all 560 pages? The entire book is interesting. Uh-huh. The two most interesting pieces are that chapter. Uh, he's got a pa- chapter on green energy and all the, like, basically, the it's amazing where Obama placed green energy, like money, like the funds that he placed into green energy and just how those were like scams of companies. Like it was unbelievable. And then the, the, the best chapter of this entire book is his chapter on the bailouts and how the economy would have been totally, not okay, we were in recession then, but it would have had no effect on mainstream, like the mainstream. And it was entirely a bailout of like Goldman Sachs and um, AIG. AIG, yeah. That I think, and that's early on in the book. But anyways, all right. Stat they, number one. You ready for this? 
Last year, Toys R Us sold one out of every five toys in America. 20% of all toy sales in America. All right, here, this is from Bloomberg. But what's fascinating or unsettling is that the overall revenue at Toys R Us didn't fall all that much, even during or after the recession. In the 12 months leading to the LBO, the chain generated 11.2 billions of sales versus 11.1 billion in the 12 months through October 2017. According to data compiled by Bloomberg, the high was 13.9 billion for the year ended January 2012. Um, okay, next article. In April 2017, analysis of Newsday found that of the 43 large retail or supermarket companies that have filed for bankruptcy since the start of 2015, more than 40% were owned by private equity firms. Since the analysis, a number of others have joined the list, including Nine West, Claire's, uh, Gymboree, something, something. Okay, next one. This is from The Atlantic. Uh, they own to buy other companies, then act as broker on the deals, reaping transaction fees. After its buyout, Toys R Us acquired a number of companies, including FAO Shorts, eToys.com, and assets from KB Toys. Consolidating brick-and-mortar online toy businesses may have been a good-faith strategy. What's certain is that the deals helped generate $128 million in transaction fees for the owners, which that's one of the best like parts of this racket is that they get consulting fees for like the theory. Like, can you imagine the sale of that? How fuck these companies are once they take the LBO that you're able to just collect fees for, Hey, these are all the things we're going to do to help your business. And it could have zero results, zero. And no matter what, they got to pay you those fees because you own them. All right. And then here's the other part of the racket, which is just exactly like that um, scene from Goodfellas. Vendors who kept shipping goods to Toys R Us hoping for a reorganization will receive at least 22 cents on the dollar for the 800 million they owned, according to court papers. Because Toys R Us was so massive, companies would ship them inventory basically free, like almost like an affiliate deal. They would ship them the inventory, Toys R Us would sell the inventory, and they would get a percentage. Mm -hmm. That's how big of a market Toys R Us was, which also comes to tell you, hey, that's got to be a pretty profitable, like, you don't have to, so they they don't have to- been way over their heads, though. They don't have to pay inventory. That's like the biggest part of running a business is I got to stock up and spend $10 million on the newest Mattel dolls so that I can go pay it. They were had such big market share, these companies would send them the inventory for free that then they could be paid out on the profits. Mm-hmm. So Toys R Us, didn't, from what I understand from that one paragraph, that maybe that's not like... The um, standard. Yeah, but then when you're a company like you know Bain and you own them, you're just like, hey, at some point we're not going to ever have to pay up on this shit. Mm-hmm. What a fucking racket. All right, that's all, uh, that's all I had. I, just, I, I was fascinated by the Toys R Us thing. Yeah, I put you to sleep. No, they like uh, well, <laughs> toys. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think they just might have been just like really bad management because they made some bad decisions that Bain kind of. I don't know why Bain first got involved. I think they wanted to go private, but I don't know what the. I don't know how Bain got involved. No, and instead they just issued a ton of debt. Right. At like a high, you know rate of interest that was just unattainable to be able to continually pay net pay out. Right. Well, I guess here's the, to me, it's, they want to get yeah. much bigger and they did through this by getting, being able to issue, you know, corporate bonds on the, on the company, but it got to a point where like they couldn't, they weren't making enough money to be able to pay off the 10% or 12% interest rate on the bonds. Right. And then it just, 
they just kind of falter. Man, you know your finances. No, that's I'm saying that's what happened. That's that's the I don't know. The f- you you told the like storyline. Right. This is what is the actual you know, dollars. The, the meat and potatoes. The actual dollars. The dollars and cents of it. Yeah, but this is why I just to kind of bring it full circle <clears throat> um and uh, so the the two things that we were kind of highlighting this week was firstly government trying to take over the internet and how scary that is because that's our source for free not free information but basically you know information that we derive what our takes are exactly and then the other thing is like you know you might see hey we need government to get involved with the market because companies are going under and people don't have their jobs but then you see it's really because of what's going on in high finance and because of you know interest rates and actions of the fed that fuel people to just kind of rip apart legitimate businesses Mm, yeah well i think the interest rates that in this specific example were just so so it's the it it wasn't even like it kind of like came close to being competitive to what the market you know like they they bit off way more than they can chew you mean toys r us no i more mean the access that financial firms have to cheaper credit which if you look at the if you look at like the the line of command no brainer for bain because they're they're access to borrowing for yeah for one percent and then lending it yeah yeah, and, and a lot of that is established based on the fact that, like, the Fed kind of establishes interest rates. So when you have a super low interest rate environment, yeah, we're being in bed with yeah. these larger institutions. Well, they got there for also kind of, who actually, who knows how they got in that position. They might have had to do some favors for government or something like that to be in position to be able to get that sweetheart financing. All right, that's our episode. Tune back next week. Run your mouth. Maybe, I don't know. What's going to be our winter gimmick? <laughs> we're not in winter yet. It's not we're even winter yet. Fall. No, we're going we're gonna to settle when back into... Along? No, we're going to settle back into being in... The cocoon? Yeah, we're going to settle back into the studio for a little bit. <laughs> lick our wounds from the uh, from the failed summer porch door and uh, figure out the next thing. All right. We're going to get back into the hardcore financial news. That's what people oh, yeah. came to us new and loved. Yeah. Bring me some food topics. All right, let's go you get something. Let's go get something to eat right now. We need to look for uh, look at Blender's bagels. We got a big. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's fucking do that. Oh yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, have a good <laughs> night, everybody.